What is up, everybody? Happy Friday to you. A little less than 24 hours away from Jets-Texans up in the Meadowlands at MetLife Stadium. Really excited about being in New Jersey, New York with this kind of weather, this kind of game, how important it all is. Oh, man. Getting pumped for this one tomorrow afternoon. It's 3.30 here in Houston, 4.30 up there. If you are in the tri-state area and heading to the game, remember, it's 4.30 up there, 3.30 here. Really looking forward to it. But welcome to the program. We're going to talk a lot of Texans, a lot of Texans, Jets, plenty of stuff going on. Appreciate you being here. I am John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter, and so glad you are with me this evening. We've got plenty for you. We're going to have our deep slant interview of the week with Ryan Griffin. Had a big ball game last week, and hopefully Griffin is going to be big down the stretch of the year, figuratively and literally. But he's going not quite home but here's one of the things about the Northeast. You can be three states away, and it'd only be like 100 miles. I mean, I used to go through Providence in 40 minutes, or uh, Rhode Island in 40 minutes. You hit Providence, you get to Warwick, and you're out. And that was that's how it is. So he's from New Hampshire, playing in New York, New Jersey. I'd imagine he's going to have a few folks at the ball game. Not quite as many as when we play at Gillette Stadium. I think it was 2017, he had 75 people there when he had that that back shoulder touchdown catch in the end zone. That was awesome. And you can see his section up in the stands going crazy. So Ryan Griffin will be here. I'm going to give you my first community credit union, first glance, keys to the game in this one. And I would I would love to be able to tell you, eh, you know, just roll out the balls and, and you'll be good. You're better than the Jets. You're plus five on them. They're four and nine. You're nine and four. You're a better football team. On paper, yes, I think that is the case. I think the Texans would have a number of pro bowlers, a number of top 100 players versus the Jets, a couple, if that. Jamal Adams for sure. Jamal Adams for sure. Leonard Williams probably. Offensively, you know, it's going to be a struggle for them. But we got to put the hammer down. And I'll go through how we're going to do that. What are the keys to victory? We'll go through that. Then we're going to go behind enemy sidelines. Randy Lang who covers the Jets for Jets.com. And then I'm going to give you all of my picks. I missed last night. Boy, what a game that was, huh? Chargers-Chiefs, Thursday night, maybe the most anticipated Thursday night game all year long. Now, we've had a few good ones. Rams-Vikings was very good. Saints-Cowboys was a defensive battle. Last night had a little bit of everything. And I'll be honest, I, I got to watch, I think, the fourth quarter. The Chargers were down 28-14 when I turned it on. I thought, oh, man. But then I saw they had the ball kind of near the red zone. I thought, eh, there's like five minutes left. I thought, there's a chance. There's a chance at this. So, we had the Grinch on after our Texans holiday party. The Grinch just happened to be on, and we all love that movie in our household. So we're watching the Grinch, and so I've got the game on my iPad, and I watch the Chargers score, and I see them score. I'm like, okay, they've got time. Look at this. They get a stop. They get the ball back. Man, they got a shot at this to, to tie this and take this to overtime. Now, they weren't thinking overtime. I give a lot of credit to Anthony Lynn. That guy was thinking all about winning that ball game right then and there. Get the touchdown after a penalty or so. Then they throw the ball to Mike Williams for a two-point conversion. Wide open, the Chiefs blow coverage, and the Chargers win that game 29-28. Now, how does that impact everything in the AFC? Well, now you've got two 11-3 teams out in the AFC West, the Chargers and the Chiefs, and they split games. The Chiefs won in L.A., the Chargers won in Kansas City. They are tied for first. The thing is, one will finish first. First, potentially. First or second, I guess. Maybe they can finish third. Depends on what happens down the stretch. They've got two ball games left. But they're both sitting at 11-3. and three. Your Texans are 9-4. and four. Your Patri- The Patriots are 9-4. and four. 
So if the Texans win out at 12-4, and four, who knows? But those two games, the Chiefs have still got to play the Seahawks and the Chargers have got to play the Ravens. So those are two tough ball games. And then I believe the Chargers finish with the Broncos and the Chiefs finish with the Raiders. So those are the last two games. So everything's up in the air now. The Chiefs would have made it very clean. Chiefs win the AFC West. They're probably the number one seed. But last night's win for L.A. changed everything in the AFC. But, man, what a ball game. 29-28, Chargers get the win. So we'll go through the other 15 games, starting with the Texans. I'm never going to pick the Texans. You know that. I never pick against my heart my head. So we'll start with the Browns-Broncos, which will be Saturday night in Denver as Baker Mayfield takes on Case Keenum out there. And the coaching staff that coached him in the Senior Bowl was the Broncos. They dealt with Baker Mayfield that entire week. So I'll give you all my picks for all the games straight up and against the spread as we do Texas pick them. And then our player segment, we're going to get to know Joe Spiderweb. We also have a little KJAC TV holiday edition. And I would advise you to go see the video because Kareem's got some elf help, which is fantastic. You got you to see it. I have the audio for you. Some good stuff. Who is the jolliest Texan player? Who is the Grinch? And I'll just say this. The players didn't always say other players were the Grinch. They mentioned uh, coaches. And not the one you're thinking of either. At least I didn't hear his name at any point. So we'll have KJAC TV. And then we'll finish you with the final word Drew Doherty this week. DJ Reader, I think one of the better interior defensive linemen in this league. I think he should get Pro Bowl consideration. He's probably not going to because they're – you know, nose tackles just don't get a lot of love. And interior guys, I should say, because he's more than just a nose tackle. He didn't get a lot of love, but, man, he absolutely, without question, should. So that's the outline of the show. So let's jump right into our Hot Reads, brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. And on a Friday, we always go right straight to the head coach. Bill O'Brien jumps in studio with Mark Vandermeer to give his thoughts on the preview of the New York Jets. Mark, take it away. Coach, let's start with special teams because the Jets have some big play capability there, starting with Andre Roberts. Uh, He's had a really good year. You know, he had a big, big return last week against Buffalo, 87-yard return that really got him going, was instrumental uh, in them winning the game. So it's a big challenge for us, you know, and I think the bigger, the the, the part of that challenge is the weather. You know, you're not going to, not going to be too many touchbacks in this game. You know, I think the ball's going to be up there in the wind, and, and a lot of them, and for us, same way, you know, with, with our guys back there, but there's going to be a lot of returnable football. So, you know, we've got to do a good job of covering. How hard is that to practice kick coverage when you don't have a long week or even during a long week because you don't have a lot of contact out there? Yeah, we practice. I mean, we do it. I mean, look, we, you know, do you, do you run down there, you know, ten times in a practice, uh, you know, a dead sprint? No, no. But we certainly get uh, good, good crisp reps at it, and then we we do a lot of walkthroughs, and you know a lot of that is uh, the want to, the the willingness. And we have a you know so many guys that are willing to go down there and give great effort. That's been a big thing. Uh, Brad and and Tracy, they've been able to get these guys to play with really good effort. Our guys have played with good effort, and that's really what it's all about on special teams. On Darnold, I asked you this about Mayfield to a degree, but rookie quarterback, and there's some unpredictability there, and these guys keep getting better every week maybe, and you hope they don't get that much better when they're playing you. How do you handle that part of it? Yeah, it's good. I mean, these guys play in these – you know, it's funny. I've been thinking about this a lot, you know, having played now against, you know, uh, Baker and and, uh, and now Sam. You know, uh, these guys play in – 
you know, huge college programs. So mm-hmm. they've been in these big games where, you know, there's pressure on those games. You know, yep. you're playing at Oklahoma. Uh, you're in the Heisman race, and you're playing in huge bowl games, and you're playing Texas, and then, you know, you look at uh, Sam, and, and you're playing at Southern Cal. I mean, quarterback at Southern Cal. I mean, big-time big, big time position. So they've been in these situations. Uh, they they play with a calmness. Uh, the, 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 it seems like the game really, uh, you, you know, kind of slows down for them when they drop back to pass, and they're able to make plays uh, in the pocket, and they're able to extend plays. And Sam Sam did a great job of that last week. What's it going to take for you to run the football better this week? Yeah, we we've got to be able to block the movement better. Um, you know, I think that our guys have had a good week on a short week, but our guys are really locked in. You know, it, you know, give the Colts credit; they did a real good job. This is a different front, different scheme, but uh, you know, we, we've got to be able to uh, stay on our blocks, uh, communicate better, uh, and, and and really, you know, do a better job running the ball. Well, clearly, every game is important, and you mentioned this briefly in your press conference earlier about it being a national game, national audience and everything. There's something special about that, an extra bit of juice, if you will, going in? Sure. I mean, it's a, uh, you know, I think there's only two games on Saturday, and uh, we're one of them, and, uh, you know, it's a big game. I mean, it's a, it's a very important game. It's a road game, which is not easy uh, on the East Coast, which is not easy, and you know, our, our guys understand the challenge. You know, we, we, we're on a short week here, but they, they, they're looking forward to the challenge. You know, to go into New York, play the Jets, and uh, play it on national TV. That's, that's, guys get excited about that. Coach, thanks a lot. Good luck. Thank you, Vinny. All right, let's get to our next hot read, and that is the all-important injury report. Now, I will admit this fact to you. We did have to record the show on Thursday. Well, mostly Thursday. I'm doing this on Friday morning before we take off because we couldn't do it live. So there may be some changes to the injury report at some point. I don't I don't think so. I do think that the three players that are questionable for the Texans, they, I, there could be a thought that they're out. I think one could be out. I think one could be in and question mark on the other one. Not totally sure. But three Texans are questionable. Kiki QT, Zach Fulton, and Andre Howe. QT dealing with that hamstring. Fulton still dealing with that hand. And then Andre Howe dealing with the ankle. And I saw him at practice the other day going through. And I, I thought I could see him kind of limping a little bit. I thought, man, gum! Of all the times, this is the time where we really need Andre Howe because he's been playing his guts out. We need that guy in the field. So those three questionable. Everybody else in. Out for the Jets. Jeremiah Tachu, good pass rusher. Very good pass rusher. And then, I don't know that they're the two best offensive players the Jets have, but they might ultimately be. I mean, Robbie Anderson is probably the most dangerous. But Isaiah Crowell and Quincy Anunua are both out. Crowell dealing with the toe, Anunua dealing with the ankle. The Jets have four questionable. Trent Cannon, running back. Jordan Jenkins, questionable outside linebacker. Which means Johnson's dealing with a foot. He's their High-priced corner they got in free agency. And then Kevin Pierre-Louis dealing with his shoulder. Those four are all questionable. Now, with the two guys that are out, Crowell and Nunua, it I don't say it hampers the offense a little bit, but Nunua's he's kind of Donald's guy. That's, that's where he would like to go. He's kind of the outlet. He's kind of tight end. He's kind of receiver. He's kind of a mix of both. If you remember Steven Anderson, who played for the Texans the last few years, that's kind of what Nunua is. He's out. Crowell's out. So the running game with Cannon banged up, he scored a touchdown last week against the Bills. It's going to be Eli McGuire and then who? I would have, if Cannon is back, then it's going to be Cannon. 
So I like McGuire. I always have played at uh, University of Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette, for those old school people, ULL. I think he can be a problem. So Texas is going to have to they're going to have to clamp down on Eli McGuire in the run game. But no Isaiah Crowell, who's had a couple of massive games. The game he had against Denver, my goodness, he was unbelievable in that game. So those are your uh, those are your players to watch from an injury standpoint. Three Texans, QT, Fulton, Howe. Questionable. Nobody listed as out. Now, over the last, I'm, uh, last couple of road trips, I think, it's happened. We've been on the plane or getting ready to leave, and there has been a player ruled out at that point. Now, that could happen, may not happen. Just be aware that as you're hearing this, recording this on Friday morning before we took off. So that's what we know as of this morning could change. But those three are going to be questionable. I thought they were going to be game-time decisions anyways. Uh, like I said, my gut tells me that we'll see one, maybe two of those three. I don't know that we'll see all three. But you got the three players out for the Jets, which I think could end up being uh, a pretty pretty tough situation for them offensively. we got to make it tougher. Defense has got to make it tougher. Defense has got to step up and, and play its ballgame on Saturday and get back to the Get back to the play that the plays that they were making and the play that they displayed against every team up until the Browns in the second half. Against the Browns in the second half, it kind of went haywire, but they got the win. And then against the Colts, they found it. They found a good rhythm. The Colts, the Colts schemed it up pretty well. I'll give them credit; they schemed it up pretty well. Now it's time to flip that script. So there you go. That is your injury report, and those are your hot reads presented to you by Geico. Fifteen minutes can save you fifteen percent or more. On car insurance. Coming up, I mentioned tight ends just recently, talking about Quincy Anunua. I'm going to give you the tight end for the Houston Texans next. Ryan Griffin with our Deep Slant Interview of the Week right here on Texans All Access. The Choose Fun Moment of the Week is brought to you by Carnival. Don't forget to enter for your chance to win a cruise every week if the Texans catch a touchdown. Carnival, the official cruise line of the Houston Texans. Choose fun. Now, not as many fun moments to pick from on Sunday as I I mentioned on Wednesday and I mentioned on Monday, but I picked this one. This is a pretty fun moment. Love seeing this guy make a play. Great throw, great catch and run. Here's Ryan Griffin. 47 yards at a key moment in the game. Sar, choose fun moment of the week. First half, Texans at the Houston 41. Watson with the gun. Deshaun throws over the middle. And he's got Ryan Griffin across the 35. Breaks the tackle, 30. Still going 25, 20, 15. And ganged up on at the 11-yard line. Big play to Griffin with 3.20 to go. Texans in the red zone. I love the fact that on that play, Griff made the safety miss. Just a little ski slalom move. Just ran right by him. And then... As because he had to do that, that slowed him down a little bit. And Griff, obviously being a tight end, Griff's got good speed for a tight end, but obviously defensive backs are going to catch him, especially because he had to make that move. And then he protected the ball. Great, great play down the field. Huge play. And I think Ryan Griffin is going to be huge for this team, especially with Kiki QT banged up. And, you know, DeAndre Carter does look like he's going to be back, and that's good for Saturday. But with Griff, I think Sean's really finding a comfort level with him and looking for him. 
And they use Griffin a lot of different ways. So I think he's going to continue over these last three weeks to be heavily involved in the passing game, and I think that that's a great thing. Keep all those tight ends involved. They're pretty good athletes. They create some mismatches with Jordan Akins, Jordan Thomas, and, of course, Ryan Griffin. Now, I bring up Griff because it's time for our Deep Slant interview of the week right here on our Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Each week, I turn it over to my good friend, D.P. Sidhu, who does a great job diving deep with our players. Each and every week, she has a player, and I, you find out something new every single week. So why did I pick that Choose Fun Moment of the Week? Well, in large part because I knew that DP was talking to Ryan Griffin this week, our Deep Slant Interview of the Week. It is Ryan Griffin, Londonderry, New Hampshire native, joining our good friend DP Sidhu. Ryan, coming off a big game, how are you doing today? Doing very well. Great day to be alive. It is a great day to be alive. Despite the loss, you, you and the tight ends – Put up some nice numbers on Sunday. Bill O'Brien said you guys did a great job. 151 yards as a group. Uh, you yourself, you had five catches for 80. How much How much pride did you take in that? You also had your career-long catch. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I found out after the game. But, uh, no, nah, I just, you know, obviously it was a tough day for the offense. And, uh, you know, the tight ends just tried to get a rhythm going, you know, with Deshaun. And uh, on a day that was pretty hard, you know, the Colts, you know, the, the defense um, – was moving around a lot, making a lot of plays. So uh, we just tried to counter that, make some plays, but we came up short in the end. Yeah, Bill O'Brien said relative to how we operate offensively, sometimes the tight ends don't get the opportunities because of how we're trying to do things around here. At what point do you sort of realize in the game that, you know, this group is going to have to really stand up in the passing game? Yeah, I think uh, once D. Carter went down, you know, with a concussion scare, you know, somebody was going to have to, you know, step up in that role and, and try to make a play, you know, so – you know, this year obviously has been up and down the tight end position for us. Uh, we're young, you know, in the in the position. So just tried to, uh, you know, make a play when, you know, we needed one. You're the Wiley veteran. You're like in year six. You've got two yeah. rookies. How much has this tight end group changed, not just as far as the people in it, but just in what you've been asked to do? I feel like it changes almost even game to game sometimes. Oh, sure. It? Yeah, our skill sets are, are very different, you know, uh, between JT, you know, Ake, and I, so uh, we're asked to do, you know, many different things, and especially Ake is a very versatile athlete, so uh, they they ask him to do a lot of things, so whatever, you know, OB asks us to do in the offense, you know, we try to fulfill that role, whatever it is, you know, in the run game, pass game, uh, or even in protection. Let's talk about Aikens, Ake, as you call him, for a second there. He, he had some nice catches early on in the game, sort of got the offense going on that first scoring drive. What have you seen from him this year? It seemed like he had a couple games where he was pretty quiet, but how has he evolved sort of in, in this rookie year? Yeah, you know, as a tight end, it's really hard to make a splash in this league as a rookie, especially in this offense. Um, you know, it takes a lot of understanding of, you know, route concepts and, in the running game, mic points, things like that. And, you know, Ake's done a tremendous job, you know, listening to Coach Kelly, listening to me uh, about, you know, how to come into a game and be try to be prepared, you know, to what the defense is going to do and what Deshaun expects out of us, you know, from the tight end spot. Um, but, you know, it's nothing, you know, that we didn't expect from Ake, you know, being a professional. You know, he, we call him a rookie, but really, you know, he's he's an older guy for a rookie and, 
you know, he knows what it takes to become, you know, a professional athlete. So he's done a great job, and, you know, hopefully he can keep it going. Yeah, played professional baseball for a bit there, sure too. Yeah, so he's yeah. got some experience in professional sports. Absolutely. And there's, you know, when guys come out of college, you know, it's not just the football thing. You know, it's a whole lot of, you know, being mature and understanding, get in here, take care of your body. And I think he's done a great job with that. Well, I guess the yin to the yang would be Jordan Thomas, who everyone calls Big Baby. <laughs> is that is that confirmed? He, he, yeah, he did. He confirmed it. Okay. I, I actually right. was joking with him about it, and, he, and the media asked him about where he got the nickname from. He said he's been called that since uh, junior college because he was so big yeah. and yet so young. Yeah, he does have some similarities to the the big baby I know is Glenn Big Baby Davis. Of he course. He played for, for the Celtics, the LSU athlete. Uh, and honestly, quite a lot of, you know, uh, comparisons can be, you know, can be drawn from these two. I mean, both big guys. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, you know, JT has also done a lot to grow, you know, this year. Uh, but uh, he's, like he's got to continue. It seemed like his his chemistry with Deshaun developed really early on. Yeah. He was getting a lot of, a lot of nice touchdown catches, a lot of sure. looks early on. Even in camp, he was – he almost seemed like a smaller offensive lineman. Yeah, you know. well, uh, you know, it's easy to throw him the ball because he's going to catch it. You know, he's uh, he's a talented guy when it turns in, comes in terms of, you know, running routes and, and catching the ball. He's got big hands. and So I'm not going to go into a scouting report on, on Jordan on Thomas. Big but, uh, on Big Baby. But uh, he's, uh, you know, he's he's extremely talented and, uh, you know, he's got a lot in front of him, you know, if he works. What's that group like, the tight ends group? Because it's changed a lot since you've yeah, been here. But it's now a lot got, of fun. You've got two rookies and they're, they're both pretty different in personality. I mean, sure. You've, you've been here through not just this coaching staff, but your rookie year was very different from the rookie year that these two are facing right now. Yeah, absolutely. I just try to make it as easy as possible for these guys. I know how difficult it is to come in this league, you know, with grown men and, and try to perform, you know, week to week. And it's such a long season coming from college. So I uh, just try to make it real easy on them, help them out as much as I can. And, uh, you know, it seems like, you know, we're having fun, but uh, it, it really comes down to winning, winning some games here at the end of the year. Do you talk to them, especially during that nine-game win streak? I know it's it's hard to not get excited. I mean, all of us in the building obviously are excited, but as players you try to keep it even keel. But for a rookie, I would imagine it's even harder because you almost have to explain to them, hey, it's not always like this. Right, right. And, uh, you know, I tell them there's been a lot of close games, and that's the NFL, you know, and we just so happen to pull some of them out just because of, you know, what, what we've been playing like and, and finishing drives and things like that. But uh, I think in terms of, you know, keeping these guys level-headed, it, it starts with OB. You know, OB has a real tight grip on these rookies, and, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to let them, you know, get bigger than, you know, their egos will let them. So uh, I think that starts with OB and the man up top. I was talking to Demarius Thomas last week. He said that when he got here, in order to build chemistry with Deshaun, he would uh, go to his house for dinner and watch film. DeAndre Hopkins has said that uh, the two of them play cards or play card games. Now, as a tight end, you have to develop that chemistry with Deshaun, but then you also have to do some things that offensive linemen are expected to do. How do you balance that, and do you guys do anything special to sort of build that chemistry? Uh, sure. You, you know, we, uh, as an offensive line and tight ends, you got two groups with, that with you Deshaun, work with. Yeah. yeah, we all go out to dinner. You know, we try to get out once a week and, you know, just talk about something other than football. You know, obviously football comes up when we're together, no doubt about it, but uh, it's about building that chemistry. You know, between all of us, you know, it's like 11 players, you know, playing as one. So uh, that's really important to us. And, you know, 
we spend a lot of time with each other, so uh, one dinner a week is good enough, I think, for everybody. <laughs> you're like, we're good. Yeah. All right, you're a bit of a mystery because you're not on social media. You're still not on social media. No. So most of the players, we kind of know what they're into, what they're up to. You yeah. like to keep a low profile, but if you were on social media, what do you think most of your posts would be about? <laughs> if, except for football, other than football, what do you think your posts would be? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't post about football. I, uh, you know, things that interest me, like uh, NBA basketball. I'm a big basketball okay. fan. Um, you know, Celtics are my team, but uh, you know, since I've been in the city, watching a lot of Rockets, and uh, you know, the the Astros and the Sox as well. I'm a baseball guy, so I don't know. I'd, I'd keep it light, but uh, you know, I I wouldn't keep it at all. Obviously, you have still so, no plans anytime. No, no, no one's no, pushing no. you in that direction. No chance. I got yeah, nothing to gain. <laughs> so everything to lose on that. So, and I do think probably you get teammates sharing stuff with you if if anything were to come up on. Social yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I lurk. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> like I like I'm not on Instagram pages, but you know I'll be on Reddit. I'll know what's going on oh, okay, in the that's world. True. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm not trying to you know live my life you know online. All right, back to back games. On the road, up on the East Coast, is that exciting for you being an East Coast guy? Uh, yeah, it it would have been, but uh, my blood has thinned out, you know, Already? pretty drastically. Yeah, I can understand so, that. Uh, I can yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, it doesn't seem too bad in New York, um, but uh, yeah, the playing outside it, it's fun, and uh, you know, playing in the Meadowlands. Growing up, watching you know some you know Jets football. Obviously, I was a Patriot fan growing up, so. You know, big rivals there, and uh, I'm excited to get it going. All right, we're excited to see you out there as well. Ryan Griffin on Texans Radio. Thanks so much, Ryan. Thanks, Stevie. Yeah, I mentioned that to Bill O'Brien the other day. He was talking about facing the Jets, and he kind of was slow playing it a little bit, and I was like, oh, OB, it's the Jets. There's something about playing in the Meadowlands, playing in MetLife Stadium, playing the Jets or the Giants, playing up there, and especially for a guy like Griff, who's from Londonderry, New Hampshire. Growing up as a Patriots fan, you see the Patriots and the Jets taking each other on, and I don't know if they were great games, but there were always games that took place in the Meadowlands where the Patriots, I remember 2007, the streak for the Patriots. The game to go 16-0, they had to beat the Giants, and they beat the Giants 38-35. That game uh, took place at MetLife Stadium. What a what a tremendous game uh, that was there in the Meadowlands with the Patriots winning that game. Patriots, the Jets, many, many battles. Uh, they've already faced each other this year. In game, the Jets could have won if they had any offense, but... Did not, so looking forward to doing the same thing as the Patriots. Get just enough offense, defense stops them, keeps them out of the end zone, get a win, and a big factor in that is going to be Ryan Griffin, so we appreciate him stopping by to spend a few minutes with us. Now, we're going to play the game on Saturday, and it's going to be rainy, and it's going to be kind of ugly, but that's Northeast football in December. Here in Houston, hopefully it's going to be a little bit better weather, but either way, you can participate in the 2018 Running of the Bulls 5K Run and Walk presented by HEB tomorrow at NRG Park. The race finishes on the floor of NRG Stadium, and all racers will get a commemorative race T-shirt and entrance to the post-race party featuring free food and beer, Bud Light, autographs with Texas cheerleaders and ambassadors. I mean, how can I not tempt you? Okay, yes, you got to run and or walk five kilometers, but we're giving you free food and Bud Light, and then you get autographs with cheerleaders and ambassadors. I mean, come on. So if you want to spend the day, spend the morning doing that, then you recover and recuperate with some food and some beer, meet some great people and cheerleaders and ambassadors, and then go to your favorite place to watch the game, and hopefully the Texans get a win. That's a great day. So participate here. 
2018 Running the Bulls tomorrow, 5K Run and Walk. Visit HoustonTexas.com today to sign up. Now, the Texans game on Saturday. How will they get a win? I'll give you my first community credit union first glance. Keys to the game next, right here on Texans All Access. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. As we get ready for a matchup with the New York Jets, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. I kind of want to hear it once, and then that's it. Because I think they do that chant, I think, first downs, big ball, big plays, all that kind of stuff. So hopefully we don't hear that. I'd like to hear it once, though. I'd like to say that I heard it. I've been up there for a Giants game. We faced the Giants 2014. Didn't turn out well. But the last time Texas played the Jets at home, that was a win. On the road in 2012, that was also a win. As I said to Mark the other day, what's the one thing that stands out about 2012 and the first thing you think of is Brian Cushing? And Cush had that knee injury, Matt Slauson, with a low block, I say illegal. Wasn't real happy with Matt Slauson from that point forward. Because I think that 2012 season, I think Cushing was Cushing was one of the best, if not the best, inside linebacker at that point. I mean, you had Patrick Willis. You had some good ball players. Luke Keekley was still young in his career. I think Cushing was one of the top three linebackers in the league, inside linebackers in the league. And he had, as I said many times, he was the heart and soul of that team. When he went down, I, yeah, the Texans continued to win, but I think down the road there were just opportunities where Cushing's presence would have been big. But that happened last time in 2012. Hopefully that will not happen on Saturday for any of the Texans at all. Now, let's get into our keys to the game. It's time for this week's First Community Credit Union First Glance Keys to the Game, FCCU, the official credit union of the Houston Texans. All right, let's start with the Texans' defense this week. Start with that group. Tough week last week, I think, against the Indianapolis Colts. In particular, that stretch about midway through the second to midway through the third. Uh, a little later than midway through the third. First, qu- first quarter and a half, brilliant, awesome. Last quarter and a half, pretty good, except for that one mistake at the very end of the game. In between, not so good. So how does the Texans' defense get back on track? Well, let's start with our keys. Key number one, no particular order. Put Robbie Anderson in quicksand. I've said a few times this week, I think he's the Jets' version of Will Fuller. Or he's as close as you're going to get. Now, because they don't have a DeAndre Hopkins, he ends up, doing Hopkins and Fuller-like routes all the time. If they had a Hopkins, then Anderson would be the deep threat, and you'd have to treat him like Will Fuller all the time. Now you're going to have to treat him like Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins combined, but you got to put him in quicksand. Anything he catches, he catches in front, and you'd like for him to not catch anything. But you've got to be plastered to number 11. 11 can be a huge problem. You've got to put Robbie Anderson in quicksand. Number two. Make Sam Darnold do it from the well. I mentioned it last week. I mentioned it the week before that. Because you're facing Baker Mayfield, you're facing Andrew Luck, facing Marcus Mariota, you're facing Sam Darnold. They all can beat you out of the pocket, and they can kill you out of the pocket. Now, the one thing I think they did a great job of against Tennessee, I thought they did a decent job of it against Cleveland. They helped force the three turnovers early. But I don't think they did a great job of it against Andrew Luck, and that was to make the quarterback throw from the well. If you make Darnold throw from the well, even if, even if, 
you had Andrew Luck thrown from the well, he hurt you. Darnold is not going to hurt you as of yet from the well. He's not going to throw from the pocket and just beat you. Just straight-up protection, take go through my reads, and zip. He's not going to do that. Not yet, anyway. He'll get there, but he's not there yet. Mechanics are all jacked up. I mean, he's kind of all over the place. He wants to run and make plays on the move where he can find more open receivers and trust it that way. Make him do it from the well. Once he's out of the pocket, it's trouble. Key number three. Bill O'Brien mentioned this. Mark and I have talked about this. Rushing coverage must work better together. The rush, if you got plastered coverage, there's one play in particular I remember, the Andre Hall interception, where you could see the coverage was locked down. I mean, it was great. It was two-man. They were manned up across the board with Andre Howell and Justin Reed in the back end playing over the top of it, reading Andrew Luck's eyes. They got some pressure uh, with Whitney Merciless, who stepped off and spied. And then when the guard left, Whitney came and forced Andrew Luck to have to drop down a kind of three-quarters and throw. Ball went a little high. Andre Howell made the pick. That was rushing coverage together. They've got to do more of that. They need to do more of that. Now, the offensive line for the Jets is not of the caliber the Colts is at this point. So rushing coverage got to work together. Number four, the back seven or seven, back seven or even eight, depending on how many they rush, linebackers and secondary, must know where their help is at all times. They must know where their leverage is at all times and where they can assist at all times. Now, basically what I'm saying to that is there are going to be situations where you're in a, when the secondary is in a particular coverage or linebackers are in a coverage, Last week, I thought there were too many guys that had eyes on Andrew Luck and not trying to find receivers. You cannot get lost in the quarterback. Okay, the quarterback's going to throw. Yeah, I know you've got to read the eyes of the quarterback. I get that. But you've got to know what the receivers are doing behind you, in front of you. If they're in front of you, there's somebody behind you. You've got to know where all of that is taking place. Where's your leverage? Where's your help? And then guys have got to do their jobs. You can't go covering for one guy. Oh, I thought he was going to go. No, do your job. When you know your job is secure, then you can go help somebody else's. But secondary's got to know where the help is, got to know where your leverage is. The wide receivers lined up outside the numbers, keep them outside the numbers. Step inside. Do what you got to do. Use your leverage and your help. And you and Because the Texans don't have a guy that's just going to lock somebody up. They just don't. They, they don't have a Jalen Ramsey. They don't have a Byron Jones. They don't have just a lockup corner that, hey, go go get him and we'll handle the rest. No. So they've got to play together in the secondary every single week, no matter what. Be disciplined, read routes, read releases. Don't get caught on rail routes like the Colts ran last week. Eric Ebron scored a touchdown where he rolled in. And basically he and T.Y. Hilton, because there was so much thought about Hilton, he just kind of running up the rail with, with T.Y. and just, Ducked inside. Andrew Luck saw him. No pressure on him. Threw the touchdown pass. And, well, the rest is history at that point. So the back seven, back eight, they gotta, they've got to know where their help is, where their leverage is, and what their leverage is, and where they can assist each other at all times. Number five, I think the Jets' screen game could be huge. Now, I haven't seen them throw a ton of screens, but I just feel like there's going to be not an intimidation factor, but there's going to be something about this pass rush, especially after last week. Like, oh, man, they're really going to want to get after Sam. Let's throw some screens. Screen game is going to be huge. They've got to be aware of it. You cannot lose your keys. You've got to, if you're a defensive lineman, if you read screen, 
get out of Dodge and you've done a decent job of that, take away the screen game. Treat it like the run game, and you have an opportunity to shut them completely down. Now, one that I put with the defense that's really special teams is don't give the Jets the opportunity to return. Andre Roberts was phenomenal last week. Running kicks back. He had five kicks returned for 176 yards. The first two ended up in Buffalo territory. One at the 46, turned to field goal. One, he got all the way down to the eight-yard line to Buffalo, next play, touchdown. His two other returns went to the Jets 35 and to the Jets 39. That's huge advantage in field position. Don't kick it to him. If you do kick it to him, you better tackle him inside the 25. Make the Jets have to go 75 every single time. Flip it over to the Texans' offense. Number one, play, action, passes will be there. Watching the Bills, every time that Josh Allen stuck a hand or the ball into a running back's belly, the, the linebackers are ready to jump on it. That left routes across the middle open. Now, Allen missed him. Deshaun won't, and that's got to be key. Play action is massive. Number two, find Pro Bowl safety Jamal Adams every single play. I know you point out the mic, but you might at some point, there's 33. There's 33. He's going to line up in a number of different spots. He'll come line up as essentially a, a will linebacker and play the run. He'll come line up as an outside linebacker and blitz. He'll drop in the middle third. He'll play underneath coverage. He'll rob the middle. He'll do a number of different things that Texans have to be aware of. You must know where Jamal Adams is, and you must account for him in the coverage and in the, in the, uh, if you're going to run the ball. You've got to account for him in the run game and the pass game at all times. Even if he's the eighth defender in the box, you must account for him. If you don't, he will make the play, and it's trouble. Number three, I mentioned this to Mark last night. The nickel's coming. The nickel blitz is coming. Even if they stop it the first time, second time, they're still going to bring it. The Texans have not handled that exceptionally well this year, and I guarantee it's something, well, I should say they haven't handled it well. There have been times where it's been lacking, and I can think of the Tennessee game week two. They cleaned it up. They had it cleaned up for a while. Then the Browns brought it a few times. They got beat on it once or twice. Then they cleaned it up. But then the Colts brought it, and they struggled with it. They got to clean it up, and I guarantee the Jets are going, it worked for them. We're going to do it. And they're probably going to do it until they just exhaust every opportunity. Now, it's probably Jamal Adams coming, I would guess. He's probably the best opportunity. He's probably the best fit to do that. But that can end up being trouble for them. That's a good cover guy out of the secondary. But they're going to trust Tremaine Johnson and Morris Claiborne at Buster Screen to be able to cover the Texans receivers essentially one-on-one so they can bring that blitz. And if the Texans don't pick it up, well, there you go. For, they're going to force the Texans to have to pick it up. So the Texans better have a plan for it at all times. Number four, take the profit when the Jets play zone. There were a ton of open areas to throw the football against the, against the Jets for the Bills. Josh Allen just wasn't going to be consistent enough to hit those areas. He wanted to scramble and run. If there are open areas, take them now. Don't need Deshaun taking hits. We need him protected. We need the ball out. Let the receivers get yardage and get upfield. More series of downs, more first downs, and it snowballs. In a good way. Take the profit when the Jets play zone. Number five, the Jets did not account for Bills quarterback Josh Allen in scrambles or design runs at all. 
I don't know if they just lost him. They forgot. Ah, he's just a big, gangly, gunslinging, tall dude. He killed him. And the thing was, is Allen had been running the ball the last two or three weeks really well. Like, he's one of the top rushers in the league. There are going to be rushing yards there for Deshaun Watson. We're going to have to pick and choose the spots where the Texans can take advantage of that. But there are going to be rushing yards there for Deshaun, be it scrambles, be it design runs, slide, get down, get out of bounds, don't take needless hits. And it's not as if Deshaun wants to. I know he's trying to get first downs, et cetera. But just know how valuable you are. Don't need to take a bunch of hits. But there will be rushing yards there on the field, no question. Number six, last one. The Texans have to eliminate the push and penetration up the field in the run game. That was a killer. Now, you heard Coach O'Brien talk about the movement. The Colts did a lot of moving. They'd dart inside. They would slant inside. Um, you know, they would jump from B-gap to A-gap on the snap. They would stem before the snap, right before the snap, and then play. They would jump into both A-gaps. But Marcus Hall was a problem. 6'8", 295, and he just ran up field. He just, I'm, I'm not going to do anything else but run up field. It's actually not a bad plan. That gave the Texans some issues up in Indianapolis. It gave them issues the other day. I don't think Leonard Williams will play it that way. He plays more technically sound, all that kind of stuff. But that might be something the Jets try and do, just try and penetrate and get upfield and disrupt, if nothing else, the Texans' zone running game. But then the Texans have to counter. We talked about that last week. Because we knew that the Colts would do that. We knew the Colts would get upfield. We knew the Colts would penetrate, especially Marcus Hunt. They threw screens. They tried to go back across the grain. They tried to run uh, some of the split zone keep with Deshaun Watson. They did some of those things. They just didn't do it enough. But you've got to eliminate that penetration up the field. Maybe you change a couple of blocking schemes so that maybe Leonard Williams or McClendon or whomever's inside doesn't get kind of that running start and just flying up the field. But you've got to eliminate that. If you're going to run the football, you've got to eliminate that penetration. Now, I'm not saying you've got to knock a guy five yards downfield every play. But you've got to make sure that the penetration doesn't get upfield and disrupt the zone blocking scheme. And most importantly, what you don't want is for the running backs to see that and then make a cut off of that. That's what happened. And the, and the, the running back is, is schooled to do that. If they see somebody getting upfield, boom, they're going to cut it back immediately. Well, the Colts played it right. The Colts essentially, with that penetration, sent him back to help. If you eliminate that penetration, you give the back a three-way go. You can bang it, bounce it, and you can bend it back. But the Colts are taking those away. If you eliminate that penetration, then you give the options back to your, to your runner, Lamar Miller and Alfred Blue, especially when you're in the zone running game. So just some keys right there to a win over the New York Jets. Those keys brought to you by First Community Credit Union, the official credit union of the Houston Texans. All right, we're one hour down. we got one hour to go. we get back, we're going to learn a little bit about the New York Jets from Randy Lang of Jets.com. We'll go behind enemy sidelines with DPC to next right here in Texans All Access. As we kick off our second hour of Texans All Access on this Friday evening, it's time for me to give a little something to my third and fourth grade teachers out there. I give you the gift of Toro's Math Drills. You want to bring a little Texas football to your classroom? Then sign up for Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. All you have to do is go to HoustonTexas.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn 
more. Now, I know you're getting near the end of the first semester. You're getting ready to go on break. When you need to come back for the second semester, let football live. Bring football math to the classroom. Trust me, it will help your kids. Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access. From the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, I'm John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. It's time to go behind enemy sidelines. I gave you my keys, and each and every Friday, we find out what the other side is thinking. Randy Lang covers the Jets for Jets.com. He's around that team every single day. And our good friend, D.P. City, who caught up with him earlier this week to get the opposing sideline view. Here's Randy Lang of Jets.com. Joining me today, Randy Lang. He's been covering the Jets since 2007 as an editor, writer, reporter. Randy, how's it going today? I'm doing fine, and, um, you know, it's always good to be working the week after a, a victory, on the road especially. Yes, we enjoyed that quite a bit this season. Unfortunately, this is not one of those weeks, and, and that brings me actually to my first question. Both the Texans and the Jets snapped streaks this week. Uh, the Texans snapped their nine-week win streak, and the Jets, obviously, six-game losing skid uh, ended against the Bills. What's the mood right there right now covering the team? Well, I, I would say that the mood is very upbeat because the Jets, to a man, believed that they were not the team that they were putting on the field during that six-game skid. They uh, are a young team. They're very confident uh, for the most part, and when they uh, got the deal done and made the comeback official against the Bills last week, they were very happy campers in the uh, the new era field locker room, and they continue this week as they get ready for the Texans. I know the record is not really what anybody wants to see right now as far as the Jets are concerned, but how is the mood as far as finding the franchise quarterback in in Sam Darnold? It seems like there's a lot of reasons for optimism moving forward, aren't they? Yeah, there there is definitely, I think, uh, Jet fans uh, and certainly the organization embraced uh, Sam Darnold when uh, Mike McCagnan, the GM and former uh, employee of the Texans, I might add, uh, did um, did the work and, and uh, got the Ducks in a row to to draft Arnold uh, third overall. And uh, he started out the season as the starter, started the first nine games. The first six were very promising at three and three. Then he went on a little skid along with the team, three games, and then got hurt against the Dolphins. So he did not play from that Miami game um, until the Buffalo game on Sunday, but uh, he did some very nice things in the second half, especially showing that he was back from the injury and that also he's uh, quite precocious for being the youngest starter in the NFL. And uh, uh, I don't know, since the, the merger, maybe at 21 years uh, and uh, less than hundred days, I think. And uh, so he, uh, he showed that, um, you know, he could, he could shake and bake out there on the field when he threw that touchdown pass to uh, Robbie Anderson to get the Jets within a score, or actually tied it up at 2020. And then after the Bills kicked the field goal to go ahead, he led uh, his first game-winning drive uh, all the way down to fourth and goal at the one and handed it off to Elijah McGuire, who scored the, the winning touchdown. So all signs are pointing up for Sam Darnold on the Jets. What have you seen from his development over the course of the season? And, and during that three-game stretch where he was out, how much do you think mentally uh, he got better? Well, I think um, he definitely benefited from watching Josh McCown. He he has great respect for McCown, who's a 16-year veteran, started 13 games for the Jets last year, did very well, all things considered. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, Josh and uh, Sam have been very close in uh, the meeting rooms and on the field. So Josh, um, even, though he was, uh, even though Sam was starting, 
uh, the first nine games. Uh, he, he took a little breather and watched Josh operate and said he learned a lot from him there. What Sam has shown since he got here, uh, I think everybody uh, who's talked about him agrees that he is someone who doesn't make a lot of mistakes the second time. He gets them cleaned up and figures them out uh, after one time, and then he moves on and, and, and looks uh, better for it. He's he's uh, deceptively mobile. He's not a a running quarterback like Deshaun uh, Watson, perhaps, or or some others we've seen like Josh Allen against the Bills last week. But he is mobile enough in the pocket, and he does like to throw on the run. Sometimes that can get him in trouble, but other times, uh, as I mentioned with the Robbie Anderson play, he went to his right circle, back went to his left, and hit Robbie Anderson with a dart and made it all look very easy. So all of those things coming into play, he seems to be able to throw every ball, and we haven't really seen everything from Sam Darnold yet, but I, I think you know there's there's a lot of intelligence there and a lot of moxie and uh and he's very old for his age. You know, he's, he's like a, a rookie who's playing like a fifth-year veteran. Yeah, a lot of excitement around Sam, especially after that week one win that they had, the big win over the Lions at Detroit. And, and the Jets, in general, have had some pretty convincing wins this season against Indianapolis and Denver, but then obviously they've had the losses as well. What do you think is the biggest reason for the inconsistency? Well, it's some youth at quarterback. Sam Darnold, I think, still leads the NFL in interceptions thrown. Not by a lot, but I think he's, uh, he's definitely up there. So that was one part of the equation. The other part is that the Jets went through a very bad injury period where they were losing players either uh, for, for a game at a time or, or to the injured reserve. And um, so as a result, uh, that was hurting the continuity. The offensive line has been a little up and down. Uh, the running game, uh, they lost Bilal Powell early on. Uh, and so they've been going with Isaiah Crowell, who's not a bad back at all, but he's also been nicked up and has been playing on a bad ankle. So, you know, you got all those things going on, and wide receiver situations were up and down. They, they uh, you know, had a few receivers that uh, they brought in early, and they'd let go to midseason, and Quincy Anunwa is coming back very good, but sometimes, uh, you know, he's prominent in the game plan, sometimes remain curse. Uh, other times it's it's been hard to find a wide receiver getting open. So, all of those things were playing into the uh, the six-game losing streak. The defense was kind of up and down, uh, giving up big plays, although they're playing well on third down and in the red zone, but uh, still getting uh, burned a few times and uh, and paying for it. So uh, all in all, it was just one of those things where nobody really was you know to blame game after game, but a lot of players were just having a little trouble uh, getting continuity, and I think the injuries were playing into it. And so... They were looking for a way to bust out of this thing, and they did finally find it against the Bills. Yeah, let's focus on that defense for a bit. Bill O'Brien, he had some high praise for the second-year safety, Jamal Adams. He had the strip sack on Sunday on Josh Allen. How does he affect opposing quarterbacks? Well, Jamal is um, has become an, an extremely um, a potent player in his second year. He was very good as, uh, in his rookie season, but uh, he's developed, and he's – He's starting to win converts. I mean, people are saying this guy is, uh, whether they say he's the best on the Jets' defense or he's a pro bowler for sure or whatever, he's starting to get that kind of recognition around the league. He gets it from playing all over the field. He's uh, in the deep middle, but he'll come up into the box a lot. They'll send him on blitzes on occasion. He's had some strip sacks. He's gotten some hand uh, his hand on some balls in the backfield for uh, incomplete passes. He's making tackles behind the line, leads the Jets in TFLs. Uh, he also is a leader in 
uh, an interesting stat that I don't see a lot of people keeping, which is uh, making stops on third and fourth down that uh, opponents don't convert on. And he's got 11 of those leading the team, which is normally a linebacker's uh, role. So he is doing it all for the Jets, and he is getting that recognition. And uh, he's a very big part of what they do on defense. And takeaways, that also seems to be a big area the Jets' defense is capitalizing on. Uh, what's been the key to success when it comes to forcing turnovers? They had three against the Bills on Sunday. Yeah, they did. But, uh, you know, they, they went through a, a drought. Uh, it was very strange because they had started to uh, – uh, make a name for themselves in turning the ball over for the, through the first, I think it was six games during that three and three start. And then they went five games with no takeaways. They just had nothing. They couldn't get the ball loose to save their lives. And then uh, for whatever reason, uh, it started again when Tremaine Johnson, uh, you know, leaked up and, uh, you know, snared a real short uh, in cut uh, from Marcus Mariota, took it for a touchdown two weeks ago. Tremaine uh, had two more picks, his first two pick game for the Jets and his fourth overall for the Jets against the Bills. And, um, you know, they had the three takeaways, so they seem to be back on the beam. But, you know, those those turnovers, they as they like to say, the coaches always say they come in bunches. Uh, the Jets would like to see a bunch more against the Texans. Randy, Andre Roberts, still a big factor in the Jets' return game. Can't believe what he's able to do at this point in his career. What makes him so elusive to bring down on punts and kickoff returns? And, and how surprised is everyone up there at, at how well he's doing at this point in his career? I think everyone's pleasantly surprised, although not wildly surprised, because uh, uh, Todd Bowles, uh, you know, he had some familiarity uh, at a previous stop with uh, with Andre and uh, I believe it was Arizona. So he knew of him, and uh, the Jets have been looking for a returner to settle down that position for the last two years. They just kept trying guys, and the turnstile was whirring away there. But Roberts came in, very professional, very solid uh, citizen, and uh, – uh, a great veteran, and then he's got this this nice little burst, and he's got some change of direction, and all of a sudden this guy is like lighting it up in the NFL. Uh, he is first in punt return average among the qualifying punt returners. He is now fourth in kickoff return average, which he improved on with his 51 and 86 yard returns against the Bills that were very helpful in the comeback, and uh, he leads the league easily at this point in total kick return yards. So he's doing it all, and he even helps out on offense occasionally. And uh, he's uh, making a legitimate pitch for a Pro Bowl berth, as well as Jamal and perhaps Jason Myers. All right, Randy, I was going to ask you what storylines you're working on this week. Actually, here in Houston, a lot of people are very interested in the weather report up in New York, supposed to be about 40s, 50s, and raining. Is that a storyline up there in New York? And uh, if not, what are the storylines you're focusing on? Well, I'd say that the weather at this time of year is always something to keep an eye on for a sidebar or a, a pregame angle. Um, we're hearing the same thing up here that uh, it's going to get a little warmer and it, it may rain during the game. So that's, uh, you know, you take that for what it's worth. It could slow people down. Or, uh, it could give some other players an opportunity to uh, show that they, they uh, can, can move on a, a wet track and uh, not let it bother them. But as far as the other storylines, that's Sam Darnold making his second start since the injury and, uh, and his first start since leading his first comeback. So uh, I think a lot of fans want to see if he can continue that and if the Jets' offense is starting to feel better about itself. I think, um, you know, they're, they're, uh, the defense is definitely looking forward to uh, the challenge of the, the Texans' offense. They know of the dangers that uh, Deshaun Watson can present, and, and they, they saw firsthand a few years ago what 
DeAndre Hopkins can do to them. And uh, they also know about what Lamar Miller can do because Lamar is the only NFL back ever with two 97-yard runs or longer in a career. He did it once this year, as you well know, and he did it once at the end of the 2014 season against the against Jets. Against the Jets, that's right, that's right. So, you know, they're very well aware of what, this, uh, what can happen. And uh, they have given up some long-running plays and some, uh, you know, passing plays, although the pass defense has been, you know, pretty um, consistent. But the run defense, I think they want to tighten that up, and that's going to be a big challenge against the Texans. All right, good stuff. Randy Lang is editor, writer, reporter for the Jets, been covering the team since 2007. Randy, thanks so much for the time. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Great stuff there from Randy Lang, who covers the Jets for Jets.com. He talked about that 2015 game against DeAndre Hopkins. Problem in some sense is that there are only two players on the Jets' defense that were on their roster at that time. Leo Williams, Leonard Williams, and Buster Screen. That was it. And Lamar Miller's run, nobody was on the roster. Nobody was on the roster on the defensive side that faced a Lamar Miller 97-yard run. So, And, of course, Lamar's doing that for the Dolphins. So, look, anytime you start thinking about things back in 2013, 2014, 2015, it doesn't seem like that long ago. But rosters change so quickly in the NFL now. Three years difference. This roster in 2018 versus what it was in 2015, light years different. So, yes, they're aware of him, but they're going to be more aware of Lamar Miller for the 97-yard run he had the other night as opposed to the one that he had back in 2014. And they're going to be aware of DeAndre Hopkins because of everything that Hop has done since he entered the league in 2013. But great stuff. Appreciate Randy Lang for stopping by. Coming up, it's going to be our Texans Pick'em segment. I pick every game in the NFL straight up and against the spread next right here on Texans All Access. Week 15 is upon us in the NFL schedule. Your Texans will go face the New York Jets tomorrow, 4.30 Eastern kickoff. If you're going to the game up there, A, rain gear, B, 4.30. Here, 3.30 local time, and we'll have everything for you on Sports Radio 610 starting at 12.30, I think is our uh, pregame show. We'll have Texas Unlimited. You can check out on HoustonTexas.com. We've got all kinds of great pregame stuff here from Mark, Andre, and myself. Uh, John McClain, Robert Hensley, you hear from a lot of different people from up and East Rutherford, and it will be a wet one. There's no question about that on Sun, uh, excuse me, Saturday. I got to make sure I say Saturday uh, tomorrow against the New York Jets. Now, with Week 15 upon us, that means it's time to make our picks. It's time for Texans Pick'em presented by Train. Go to HoustonTexans.com. You can still play now, that's something you can do because it is Friday. This is something we do every Friday. And you have a chance to win great weekly prizes like autographed items, Texas tickets, or even a cruise. All you got to do is download the Texans mobile app to play now. It's Texans Pick 'em. Now, I do mine a little, I'll say a little differently, but I pick mine straight up and against the spread. It's always fun doing that because when you talk about the spread, then it's not so much I'm talking about, hey, here's a way that you can go win gambling. I don't really want you to do that, per se. But it's a good way to talk about the games and how close the games are going to be or things I've seen down on the field, two teams maybe we've seen, like two of them that are playing on Saturday. We'll get to that in just a second. So I pick them straight up and against the spread. So let's get rolling. But first, 
I need my game-picking music. And there it is. It's just, I should say it's just NFL Films music. It's NFL Films music. Gets me hype, really, to be honest with you. Yeah, I pick games, I get hype. I do that. All right, Saturday, it kicks off with the Texans going to New York. Houston's a six-point favorite. You know how I feel about picking the Texans games. Uh, I don't pick against heart and head, so I, I just leave that one alone and, and don't touch it. The evening game, though, and we'll start here, the Cleveland Browns, the 5-7 and seven Cleveland Browns, take on the Denver Broncos. Now, how about this? Cleveland wins this game on the road. They'll go to 6-7-1. and one. That would make Denver 6-8. and eight. Cleveland will have a better record than Denver at that point. And I believe if Cleveland wins, they're still alive in the playoff race heading into Week 16. Now, I think they need some, some obvious things to happen in front of them and also in Week 15. But Cleveland stays in the playoff race. Denver with the win stays in it, but it's not looking as clear, I guess. But 7-7 seven seven would be better than 6-7-1. Denver's a three-point favorite. I think Denver's going to get it done. I think Vance Joseph has, I think he kind of, I don't want to say he took the blinders off this week, but he just took the filter out. And he just said, Case Keenum needs to make more plays. Point blank, end of story, period, done. And I've seen, I've seen coaches challenge Case before, and it's turned out well for them because Case has answered the bell. And I think Case is going to answer the bell this time. I think Cleveland had a great win last week against Carolina. But I do think that Denver's pass rush will get to Baker, even if it results like it did here in interceptions. That's actually better for Denver. I'm going to give Denver a close win here. I think it's actually by three. But since the spread is three, I'll take Denver to win and cover the spread. And that will finish Saturday's games. Hopefully with a Texans win and with a Broncos win over the Cleveland Browns. That brings us to Sunday. And it starts in the AFC. Arizona goes to Atlanta. Nothing on the line here. Atlanta at 10-point underdog. I think Atlanta's going to win the game, but 10 points is too rich. I think Arizona's going to play a little bit better. They've been playing better. They beat the Packers uh, a couple weeks ago. They're playing a little bit better football. They didn't play great last week, but cut up, cut down, up and down. A little roller coaster for Arizona at this point of year. But I think Atlanta will win the game. But I think Arizona's going to play tight. I think it gets inside that 10-point number. It's taking Atlanta to win, but Arizona to show up and play and get inside that 10-point number. Detroit goes to Buffalo. Detroit 5-8. and eight. Been all over the map this year. Big, a good win for them. It's a big win, but a good win for them last week against the Arizona Cardinals. Buffalo should have beaten the Jets. I'll be honest with you. Should have beaten the Jets. I've said that this week. Buffalo had them dead to rights, but they fumbled the ball a number of times interception late they gave up two big kickoff returns that set up the Jets for scores they should have beaten the Jets but didn't I think they'll get this one done I think they'll beat the Lions it feels like a three to four point win the spread is two and a half so I'll take Buffalo to win and to cover that two and a half Josh Allen playing a little bit better not great if you got to force him to throw which Detroit will make him do Detroit will make him throw so Buffalo's gonna have to design some runs for Josh Allen but he's been running the ball very very well in fact I think the last three weeks He's one of the top five rushers in the league as a quarterback. He's done a nice job from that perspective. He's got to throw it cleaner, but I think he will. And I think Buffalo's defense will bounce back as long as they're not facing short fields the whole time. I felt like that entire game against the Jets, they were just on short fields against the Buffalo defense. I didn't give them a shot at all. So I'm going to give Buffalo the win and the cover over Detroit. Green Bay goes to Chicago. Chicago coming off that big win over the L.A. Rams on Sunday night. And Aaron Rodgers... I won't say he talked some trash, but he talked about what the Tex- the Packers, Texans, what the Packers would have to do a few weeks ago 
And he started going through the – well, we got to win this game. We got to win this game. And then we go to Chicago where we always win. And he's right. They have always won since 2010. They've always won. Whether Rodgers is playing quarterback or not, I think it changes. I think Chicago wins this. The spread is seven. I don't feel good about the spread. I think I think Rodgers and Green Bay will keep it close. But in the end, the Bears' defense will find a way to pull out that win. It'll be close. It'll be 23-20, 21-17, 28-24 kind of thing. Bears will win, but it's going to get inside that seven-point number. Oakland goes to Cincinnati. Ugh. Cincinnati's going to win in cover, I think. Cincinnati's a favorite by two and a half. The Bengals have flat out quit. I noticed that a couple weeks ago against the Cleveland Browns, watched them on tape. Oh, man. They quit. And they've quit. They battle hard against the Chargers. I'll give them that. But I'm taking Cincinnati to win and cover, get a sixth win for Marvin Lewis. I would think on his last few weeks as Bengals head coach, but you never know what's going to happen in Cincinnati. I think at times we've thought that through Marvin Lewis's career, and he stayed there as the head coach. So I'm going to take Cincinnati to beat Oakland. Oakland got the win of the year last year for them, beating the Steelers. So Cincinnati gets them and covers that two-and-a-half-point spread. All right, here we go. Now it gets interesting with these uh, new games coming up. Dallas, Indy. A win for Dallas clinches the division. A win for Indianapolis keeps them alive in the playoff race. And depending on what happens with the Texans, Indianapolis stays alive for the AFC South division race. Indy's favored by two-and-a-half. I think this Zach Martin injury is a bigger one than maybe anybody's letting on because that Colts defensive line can get after it. I would love Dallas to win. Trust me. I I would love Dallas to win. I don't think that it happens. I think Indianapolis gets the win and they'll get the cover. It's going to be close. I think this is a anywhere from a three to six point win. Nothing more than that. But I think the Colts kind of found themselves again against us last week. I think they'll do it again against Dallas. I think they'll slow the Cowboys' train. The Cowboys have played very well at home this year. On the road, they've played okay at times. But I think the, the, the Colts are a different animal altogether. And Matt Eberflus knows the Dallas offense. He spent time with the Dallas Cowboys and the defensive coaching staff. I think that's going to give them a leg up. He's defense coordinator for the Colts. I think the Colts win that and cover that, unfortunately. But I'm cheering like hell for the Cowboys. How about that? Miami goes to Minnesota. Minnesota's favored by 7.5. Now, Miami had maybe the the play of the decade, maybe the play of the century, to beat the Patriots last week. And then in the locker room, something stood out to me. They're all chanting, see you next one, or see you Wednesday, see you Wednesday, see you Wednesday. They're still in the playoff hunt. If you're in a playoff hunt, you want to come right back the next day and start getting ready for Minnesota. I think Minnesota bounces back here. New offense coordinator Kevin Stefanski takes over for John Filippo. I think Minnesota finds a way to win. They'll win by seven, spread seven and a half. Miami will get the cover. Minnesota will get the win. Need Miami to lose that one. Need them to lose. Just trust me on that. Tennessee goes to the Giants. So here's your East Rutherford Meadowlands back-to-back. Saturday night, Texans-Jets. Sunday afternoon, Tennessee Giants. Need the Giants to win this one. And I think the Giants will. I'm going to take the upset. Well, it's not even an upset. The Giants are favored by two and a half. I know the Titans got a little bit of a mini-buy. They have to have it. The Giants have to have it to keep alive in the playoff race. I think the Titans have been too inconsistent. The one thing about the Giants, they haven't been inconsistent. They've actually they've been rising. They've been ascending and playing better football. I'm going to take the Giants to knock the Tennessee Titans out of the playoff race, out of the AFC South Division standings, and out of that race 
Let's go to the Giants to win and cover that two and a half. Washington goes to Jacksonville. Washington starting Josh Johnson. Jacksonville's favored by seven and a half as a result. I don't know that Jacksonville could put up seven and a half points right now. But I'm going to go with Jacksonville to cover that seven and a half over Washington because Washington is dreadful. Dreadful. After Alex Smith got hurt, the season just went gone. Then Cole McCoy got hurt, went further in the tank. Then Mark Sanchez did Mark Sanchez things. And now it's Josh Johnson, who, by the way, was the Texans' backup quarterback at this time last year. He's starting for Washington Jacksonville. Let me tell you how a December trip to Jacksonville went with a backup quarterback. Signed 2017. Let's go Jacksonville to win and cover that 7.5. It'll be like 10 nothing, 14-3, something like that. But Jacksonville will get it done. Tampa Bay goes to Baltimore. Tampa Bay's still in the mix in the, in the NFC. They'll put up some points. Baltimore's favored by nine. That's a little too rich for me. I'm going with Tampa Bay to get inside the number of Baltimore to win at home. Seattle goes to San Francisco. Potentially the hottest team in the league. I should say, arguably the hottest team in the league. The Seattle Seahawks going to San Francisco. George Kittle, they better find a way to stop him. 210 yards last week. He was five yards away from the tight end record all time. He's a stud. But Seattle's playing with a lot to play for. San Francisco's kind of free and easy. Seattle's favored by four and a half. That feels exactly right. Not four and a half, but like four. Four would be inside the number, four to five points. I mean, you're straddling right where I thought it would be. But I think Seattle, with a lot to play for, will end up winning this football game. I just don't like that four and a half. I would stay away from it, but forced to pick. I'll pick Seattle to win and to cover that four and a half. New England goes to Pittsburgh on Sunday afternoon. We've seen this song and dance before. Pittsburgh and New England played one of the games of the year last year, and I would expect that again. But neither team has got any sort of hot streak going. New England last week loses down to Miami. All kinds of things went wrong for them down in Miami. Pittsburgh has lost three in a row to AFC West teams. They've lost to every team but the Chiefs, and then they got the Chiefs coming up soon. I think, gosh, this one is, it's New England favored by one. So it's essentially a pick And I'm going to go with Pittsburgh to save its season. Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, they will find a way. Juju Smith-Schuster, Pittsburgh finds a way to win this one. They'll upset New England, I guess. I don't know if that's much of an upset. New England's favored by one. Let's go with Pittsburgh to save its season and fight off and keep fighting off the Baltimore Ravens. Philadelphia takes on the L.A. Rams. Carson Wentz is out of this one. This is a pretty important one for the Texans as well because if the Rams win this one, then the Eagles essentially are out of the playoff race. They may sit Carson Wentz the rest of the year. Nick Foles is no pushover, but I'd rather face Foles than I would Carson Wentz especially the way Philadelphia's playing. And if that season is definitely over, it doesn't mean anything for Philadelphia. It could mean a lot for the Texans, depending how this entire weekend shapes out. The Rams are favored by 12.5. I'm taking the Rams to win. I think Philadelphia will get inside a 12.5 number. Philadelphia still is playing. They're still playing hard. They still got some athletes. Tight ends are as good as they get. Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. They'll give the Rams and push the Rams. But 41-31 gets you a cover by the Eagles. So that's what I'm going with. Rams to win, Philadelphia to cover on Sunday night. But the Eagles with a loss out of the playoff race. The Texans coming in. They may start sitting some dudes, which would be kind of nice. The Rams will light up that secondary. Philadelphia's secondary is banged up. 
like nobody's business. And then Monday night, New Orleans goes to Carolina. New Orleans is favored by seven on the road. This is a playoff slash Super Bowl-like game. This is it for Carolina. This is it. This is the last house on the left, as Mark would say. Carolina must, must have this one. And I think that Carolina is going to find a way to keep it close. But in the end, Drew Brees, Drew Brees and New Orleans win this thing 31-28, 38-35 by about three points. So give Carolina the cover, but New Orleans the win on the road. And that will give them 12 wins. That will keep them right on par with the Rams for that number one seed. Nothing's been settled. Nothing's been clinched over there in the NFC. But those two are fighting for the top two spots. I don't think the Bears can get there. Uh, maybe they can, but they'd have to have meltdowns by both the Saints and the Rams. I don't think it happens. I think both the Rams and the Saints win this weekend. I think that both teams do not cover, but they do get wins at this time of year. That's all it's important. But because we're picking against the spread, that's how I think it'll go. I think Carolina battles as as much as it will all season. In a must-win situation, they'll be there, but the, Ram- the Saints will make just one too many plays. Saints win. Panthers cover, Eagles cover, Rams win. So that's how the rest of the weekend will go. That's Texans Pick'em presented by Train. And you can enter for a chance to win great weekly prizes like autographs, Texan tickets, or even a cruise. You just got to download the Texans mobile app to play now. All right, coming up on the show, it's our players segment. With our players segment, I turn it over to them. It's a little get to know. It's a little KJAC TV, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Oh, and it's our final word with Drew Doherty. And this week, it's with the man DJ Reader. Right here, coming up next on Texans All Access. We've got one final segment on this Friday evening of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you this evening, as always. Game tomorrow, 3.30, right here, 3.30 Houston time, 4.30 local time. So if you're up there in uh, East Rutherford, bring your rain gear, stay dry, uh, and cheer on your Texans. Uh, if you're here, 3.30, we'll start to kick off, I'm sorry, the pregame show, countdown to kickoff at 12. 30 local time so be there you got Mike Meltzer and Sean Pendergast will take you through that I'll pop on Robert Hensley will pop on Mark and Andre John McClain we got all kinds of guests on there as well then the game Mark Andre and myself and then post game Sean Pendergast Paul Gallant and Cecil Shorts will have you and hopefully we're talking about win number 10 all right final segment we always devote to the players and it's the holiday season on KJAC TV 
And you got to see the video, but I got the audio for you. But you got to see the video. It'll make your day. There's no doubt it'll make your day. Now, we call KJAC TV. It's also called Player Reporter, and that's brought to you by Arctic. You don't need me to tell you that. Kareem will tell you that. The official coolers and tumblers of the Houston Texans. Visit ArcticCoolers.com. Arctic Coolers overbuilt, not overpriced. Here is KJAC TV Holiday Edition. Ho, ho, ho. It's Jackie Claus with another edition of KJAC TV, the Holidays Edition. Shout out, Artic, man. KJAC TV, we back. I'm here with my favorite guy in the world. OG. 2-4, 2-5, keep it real live. And you know we sting like bees out the hive. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, okay. Oh, oh. Jump on, he cut me off. Bun, bun. Hey, check me out, bun. Get me in the studio. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Who's the jolliest on the team? Ooh, jolliest. He has plenty of energy, always smiling. Just, just that's jolly, just jolly all the time. Yeah, I got to give it to Christian Covington, man. Covington? Yeah, he always jolly. Come in here with a smile, always excessive a little bit. All right, you know? that's, a, that's, a, that's a good one. Who? What about you? Who's the jolliest on the team? I probably said Dylan Cole. Dylan Cole? Yeah. I probably said Dylan Cole. <laughs> who who the jolliest of you? Uh I'd probably say clowning. He always clowning around, you know what I'm saying? Right. Clowning. That might be wit. Maybe Whitney yeah, Merciless. Whitney Merciless. Whitney always got a smile on face. He's always cool. He's always jumping around and having uh, a good time. So yeah, I'm gonna say Whitney Merciless. Okay. That's a that's a okay, that's a good one. It's probably my guy here. Jerry, 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 smiles man. all the time. Always man. smiles, man. Now, who's the Grinch on the team? B-Mac. No. B-Mac. I agree with you. B-Mac. I agree with you. Hi, B-Mac. Hi, the kids. Hi, the wives. Everything. Oh, no doubt a doubt. That's JD. Yeah, that's clowning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I might say Coach Mids, man. Coach Mids. Coach Mids. Coach Mids. Coach Coach Mids. Coach Coach Mids. <laughs> Mitch, 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 it wasn't me, Mitch. It wasn't me, Mitch. Jack and Claus. Hey, we got some stuff for you. Shout out Artic. Look at Artic. Got some stuff for us, man. I got a t-shirt for you right here. We all going to say thank you, Artic. One, two, three. Thank, thank you, Artic. One. Man, they tried to put Grinch on Coach Midget. Hey, he's the best, man. I like how Kareem said, that wasn't me, coach. That wasn't me. Great stuff there. I'm telling you, you got to see the video. Kareem, Kareem had some help uh, with Justin Reed, his, uh, his elf. You got to check out the video. The video is fantastic. All right, let's get to know Joe Webb. You heard Joe Webb in there. They asked him who was the jolliest. He said clown. He's always clowning around. Let's get to know Joe Webb a little bit as he spent some time with Drew Doherty. Let's get to know the spider. It's all brought to you by IW Marks. Joe Webb, quarterback, special teams extraordinaire. How good is it to be in Houston, man? Feel good, man. Feel good to be back in the South. Yeah? Yeah. What do you? Th- what's your first impression of the city? It's hot. <laughs> Very hot. But that's no problem for a Southern guy. Huh? Yeah, it's no problem, but yeah. I love the city. You know, it's a big, big city. It's a lot of things to do, so I love it. Tell us about the South. Where'd you grow up? What'd you do? What was it like? What was your favorite part of it? Grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh-huh. You know, outside all day until mom called you in the house. Yep. Uh, what were you playing? Uh, 
football. All of <laughs> football, football, basketball, basketball, throwing rocks, hide and seek, hide and seek, whatever yep. you whatever you, you think of, you name it. You kind of surprised that hide and seek never became a professional sport. Yeah, I think I would have been pretty good at it. You know, yeah, pretty good sneaking around hiding. What's the best part of going home, and what's the trickiest part of going home? Best part of going home. You get your good home-cooked meal by your mom's. You know. Best meal is? Ah, oh, I can't even see. Is that like favorite. choosing your best, your favorite child? Uh, yeah, it's meal. hard. <laughs> What's a, what are a few good meals that your mom makes? Uh, it's a good, good uh, grilled pork chop, you know, Ooh, uh, yeah. mac and cheese, you know, greens, um, black-eyed peas, you yep. know, the good southern food. I like your mom already because a lot of people do a lot of different things with pork chops, and you don't really need to. You put them on the grill, yeah. I think that's the best way to do it. Perfect. Right? Yeah, I like it. Tell, tell her I'm a fan, even though I don't know her. <laughs> uh, okay, so there's some great foods that you obviously like. What's one food that if you could just eliminate from the face of the earth, you never have to eat it, nobody else has to eat it, what you going to eliminate? Uh, mushrooms. Mushrooms? Yeah. But they taste so good on steak, man. Come on. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know, man. Mario probably gave me a bad taste. You know, I thought when I ate mushrooms, I'd get bit like little Mario, Super <laughs> Mario. But didn't happen, did it? Didn't happen, so I had to get rid of it. What if you would have gotten big like Mario? Would you have, I, your, your, your idea on mushrooms change? Or? Maybe I would have played O-line, D-line. I hear you. Yeah. And you'd have liked mushrooms too, right? Yeah, I would have loved mushrooms. Okay, if you could turn the ocean into any liquid other than the liquid it is now, which liquid would you choose? Ha! Ah, the ocean into any liquid. You know what? I'm a speech for I'm gonna speak for America, mm-hmm. and I would say wine. Wine? <laughs> Red wine? <laughs> white wine? Whatever, whatever, whatever you prefer. Spider, I salute you. Man. This has been a fun interview. It's been good getting to know you. I like those grilled pork chops. I like cinnamon toast crunch. I like you, uh, Joe, Spider <laughs> Joe Webb. It's been so much fun having Joe Webb this year, be it preseason games when he's playing quarterback. Regular season games where he's playing everywhere on the field. All special teams. Played receiver last week. Had a couple of catches. He is such a great dude in the locker room. I'm glad we had get to know this week with Joe Webb. I mean, it's the, the timing is dead on. All right, it's time for the final word with Drew Doherty. Every week he catches up with one of the players on the team, and he's kind of gone through the roster, if you will. He's got all the way down. I should say all the way down, but if you go numerically, to DJ Reader, the pride of Greensboro, North Carolina. Drew, take it away. Thanks a lot, fellas. We've got defensive end, nose tackle. We can call you a bunch of different things, but we got DJ Reader here. DJ, Texans looking to get back on the winning track. You got the New York Jets to do that against. What's the biggest challenge with that offensive front? Uh, I think that they're they're young, but they do a lot of things. I think that that offense is young, but it's a uh, it's a big play offense. They have a lot of big play guys built into them. You know, with a lot of guys like Robbie and those guys outside, and then they got a young quarterback as well and take chances. So, I think we just got a good group coming up. Yeah, you bring up the young quarterback and Sam Darnold. He was picked third overall in the draft for a reason. What are some of those reasons that you've seen on the film so far? He's got cannon. He's athletic. You know, he can do it all. And, you know, he's just a young guy in a system who's willing to take chances and go out there and be gutsy to win games. I think that's the biggest thing you've seen about him all year is just him willing to go out there and play hard. Win nine in a row, you drop one. Yeah. But over the course of this this last ten games, you guys have done a good job of getting to the quarterback and, mm-hmm. and causing problems. What do you think's been the, the main thrust behind all that? Being focused on, on being relentless. 
you know, not being denied about getting back there. You know, we know when we're going to get back there, we're going to create pressure. And knowing that's what's truly going to help the team win. And uh, I think we do a good job of focusing on that and, you know, guys hone in and know that it's not just an individual effort to get back there. It's a group effort. And we can't get mad if, you know, one back, one guy gets back there more. You know, as long as somebody's getting back there creating pressure, it helps the team. Yeah, I like that you bring that up because J.J. Watt, he yeah. has 12 and a half sacks. But you see guys like yourself. You see guys like Christian Covington, Clowney, down the line, done getting to the quarterback at yeah. spots throughout these last 10 games. Yeah, you know, um, you know, if one guy's not doing it, we know another guy's got to step up. A guy's got to get back there to create, have a great pressure. And even if you're not sacking him or you're in his face, you know he knows those throws got to come out quick because somebody's coming. So I think we do a good job of working as a group as a full front and defense of doing that. Last three games have been at home. Now you're playing in New York. Not going to be the greatest of weather, but really it's not going to be awful weather either, yeah. either way. I mean, it's it's something that you guys are just accustomed to playing in, right? Yeah, you know, you just kind of, we're used to moving around a little bit. and We got guys from everywhere on our team, so everybody's kind of used to different things. So I think um, it'll be a little cold up there, right? A little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully it won't be too cold and uh, we'll be good. Yeah, does that kind of, I don't want to say bother you guys, but there were questions in the middle of the week about the weather. It's just, I mean, that's what you do. You're a football player. You play I mean, in the weather, yeah, and it's nothing playing, bad. Man. You're just playing it. Um, you never know what's going to happen, so you just got to be ready to adjust any elements. You know, we're excited to just go up there and play, no matter what the weather's like. Go up there, it's going to be a good game. We're facing a good team, and, you know, we're trying, we're, we're trying to get our face back. We lost last week, so we want to get a win. Mood in the locker room, I guess, quote-unquote, it seemed to me to be fine. I mean, yeah. you got you don't win nine in a row by being up and down yeah, and, and, and all over the place, you know, do you? You, you got to take, take the head on the chin and know it's a, it's a warning shot. You know, you know, still things can happen. You know, you just can't get complacent. I think that was what we got. We got a shock shot, and we got to get it back on track. And I think that's where everybody's focus is at. I like it. Well, best of luck to you, DJ Reader. Hope you beat the Jets, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Appreciate it. Thank you. Perhaps it's natural, and this happens every single year, no matter what. Nose tackles just don't get a lot of credit. And I shouldn't even call him a nose tackle because he does so much more than that. He's not just a nose tackle. And that's one of the reasons I bring this up. I think DJ Reader has played tremendously this year. I think from the day that he set foot in this building, he has been instrumental in this defense. I think he had really one bad game this year that I can remember just watching on film. Uh, I should say bad. I think there were a couple of plays that really kind of set the tone on that day, if you will. A couple of plays where he didn't play like he normally normally would. But all year long, he has been phenomenal. He has been a major reason reason why teams cannot run the football, cannot move him out of the way. He gets pass pressure. He gets at least in the face of quarterbacks. He's not going to get a bunch of sacks. He got two against New England, but he's not going to get a bunch of sacks. But the way that he holds up against double teams – the way that he takes on single blocks, you cannot move him. He pursues the football sideline to sideline for a guy that's 328 pounds. I don't know. DJ, I'm sorry. I'm not sure what your weight is right now. But that's a dude. DJ Reader is a football-playing dude. And I love having him on this team. And he has meant so much to this team inside. And I, I think... Of a lot of guys that are getting Pro Bowl considerations, when I've looked around the league and I look at interior players, DJ's probably not going to get that recognition because he doesn't have a ton of numbers. But why are the Texans so good against the run? Well, because they're stout in the middle. Brandon Dunn has done a really nice job against the run as well. Cubs done a nice job when he's gone in there. Cubs been a little bit more on the pass rush side. But DJ, you try and move that big dude, you're not gonna. You're having no success. 
none whatsoever. I mean, it's been it's been really good to watch that guy progress and become the player that we all wanted him to be. I saw him at the Senior Bowl, and I thought he was fantastic. And when we drafted him, I thought, yeah, he'll play first and second down, but he'll be really good. And he's played a lot of third downs, and he is an instrumental piece in this run defense in particular. Getting after the quarterback in the pass game, I think 98 is fantastic. I think he deserves Pro Bowl consideration. I don't think he's going to get it, but I think he definitely deserves it. And that's your show, folks. A lot of people will thank Ryan Griffin, DP City, Randy Lang at Jets.com, Mark Vandermeer, Bill O'Brien, KJAC TV, Kareem Jackson, Joe Webb, Drew Doherty, and DJ Reader. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Kickoff is 3.30 local. Countdown to kickoff at 12.30. See you then, everyone. As always, go Texans.